This Torah class is brought to you by TorahAnytime.com. Shalom and welcome to Practical Spirituality here in the um, in uh, Asia Torah, which is at this point in my dining room in the uh, in Yerushalayim, overlooking my courtyard outside. Um, so welcome everyone. And if you'd like to join the Zoom conference so I can actually see you, that'd make a big difference in my teaching today. I'd love to be able to see everybody. So um, it'll flash on my screen if, uh, if uh, there's, there's Rafi. Hi, Rafi. Um, please send me again what they need um, so I can see it on my phone. Uh, I missed that last message. Uh, Rabbi Rose, if you can send that again. Hopefully I can read it while it's flashed on my screen. Mm. Um, send, send that again, please, if you can. Uh, how people can join the Zoom meeting. Um, I think I actually remember the Zoom numbers. So if you're watching this already and you'd like to join the live feed in a way I can see you. Uh, maybe Rafi, you'll put it in the chat um, so people can uh, see the corner. I think it was 613-248-0365. Don't ask how I remember the code of this thing, but Rafi, uh, or maybe I can put it in the chat. Let's see. Uh, yeah, I think I can here. Join Zoom uh, meeting so I can see you at 24. Uh, sorry. Yeah, thank you. 613. Three. Six one three. Where's dash on this thing? I'll just put a space. Uh, two four eight space zero three six five. So uh, enter. Okay, so everyone can join that. Please jump in this meeting. Uh, Rafi, thanks for joining. If you can turn on your video, Rafi, that'd be great. So I feel like there's another human being with me. Thank you, Rafi. How you doing? Uh, let me get the right view that I want. Okay, let's shut that one off. Okay, good. So today, oh, Yitz Finch is on here. Oh my gosh, Moshe Brown. Yoel Kaplan. Yoeli. Um... Always giving shout outs, and uh, I'm also here with uh, my dear student and colleague, Feibel. And uh, we're going to be learning the Chabrusas afterwards. Um, so here's the deal the, um, it's, a, it's an age old uh, process that we're involved in you know, when it comes to dealing with this, uh, with. Uh, the coronavirus, but it's but it's particularly intense. See, I've been teaching classes now for about twenty eight years. Um, my one of my main topics that I bring up a lot is is the illusory, uh, you know, the the illusion of creation, meaning that we are living inside a. Um, you know, a digital simulation that the creator is creating. And we've discussed that over and over and over and over again. I've given a million talks on that. 
And there's a reason why I give talks on the um, on the illusory nature of creation. Um, there's several reasons. One of the reasons is is because you know, great ticket out, you know, because if this is all there is, you know, that's pretty lame. So it's it's nice to to be able to take that kind of mini vacation to know that there's something way beyond this creation that's running the show. Um, but it's also it's also a subject of peace of mind. It's um, getting us to you know to be able to let go of uh, needing to be in control of everything happening in the world. That, that uh, you know it's not it's not in our control, and that we can um, you know let something greater than us run the show, and that's uh, that's a big part of. Um, that's a big part of, uh, of knowing that we're being, we are projection. We're basically a, just a very complex hologram coming that's shooting out of the mind of God into creation. And, and God's running the show for us. Because it, it brings us to peace of mind. Um, I think people like that, but they like it in a way that it's kind of like getting high. You know, like they like it in a way that they might like uh, to have it big beer at the end of the day, or they like in the way they might like to show up at some uh, meditation or yoga class. But I'm generally teaching from Jerusalem from, you know, most of the time, 90% of the time, my classes are coming out of a place where people are living this full time. This isn't like, uh, you know, it's not like, it's not a yoga class you show up to on your way home from, from, uh, from, uh, Work. It's it's a you know it's a reality that we live in, and it's not just us. Uh, the truth is, the further um, we're the beginning. I mean, we're the essential part of the Semites, of the people who are the children of Shem, and Shem means meaning, meaning-oriented people, people who are looking for the intrinsic meaning of things. That's why it's called Shem. Is Shem means to um, Shem means to to um, call to, um, to to give name to something. The word Shem literally means name, and it means to give name, to give meaning, to give context, to give understanding. To, and and meaning to get to, the, what it really means is to get to the bottom of things. That's the word Shem. Shem means to get to the bottom of things and, and what's, um, what's real. And being Shemites, you know, I know most of you are listening to this from uh, Western places, you know, whether it's Europe or America, you know, the, the EU, the, uh, the uh, European Union of the Children of Asav, or it's the United States of Asav, or, or it's the Asavs living in Canada, but they're all, it's all Western mindset, which is basically, you know, the, the main thing is to work and to, and to be... Um, you know, significant in the uh, be a significant cog in the wheel of, of uh, you know of, of the uh, industrial complex. And, um, but sh- that's that's for people who are not Semites. I mean, Semites we have to work. I mean, we got to pay for our Shabbos food and stuff. But but uh, Semites work. Once you cross the Mediterranean, and then you might have to a little hop, skip over Tel Aviv because they're pretty Western. But 
But they also, I mean, their coffee shops are filled with philosophical discussions that are pretty meeting-oriented, although uh, I don't know where they get to in the end of those conversations. But the uh, but once you cross Tel Aviv, you start heading up to the Jerusalem Hills, through Modi'in, all of a sudden the, the uh, discussions get, get deep, and the, and the point of it all gets important. And, and the point of it all gets, you know, as you go further east, you start heading into Jordan, start seeing people living simpler and simpler and simpler and cross Jordan into the other Arab countries. And besides their city centers that have been deeply affected by the West, you otherwise you're, you've got super simple living people. Eventually you get to the stands. You know, hi Kyle, come on uh, camera if you can. Then you get to the stands. You know, Afghanistan and Pakistan, and then uh, you hit all the stands, and people are like living in like caves and stuff, and and then you finally get over to India, where you know if you can just meditate all day on the meaning of life, you've succeeded. Like that's called success. And uh, and of course they all have their city centers, which are obviously deeply affected by Western thought. Um, Anyway, but the, the, the main point is, is that we're, we're not Westerners. And, uh, we are Jews. And Jews are, are interested in the, in the reality of, of life. And well, what is the reality of life? So the reality of life is that there's God. And that God projects reality into existence. And the reality of being a projection of God, therefore, must be of God. Because, you know... If all there was was God, so God's what he made the world out of. And uh, now, of course, the world's not God, but it's made of God, so to speak. So, so it's, um, you know, the, the way we, you know, there's no Home Depot in heaven. God didn't go to Home Depot to create the world. He created the world out of, out of the, you know, his, from his own Chochmah bin and Das, his own, um, first of all, it's Ratzon, Keter, his desire for creation, and then and then he created the world, projected it from his own seichel, from his own uh, uh, spirituality. Sorry, his own his own uh, um, uh, you know basically the, the, his desire for creation, and so that's what's meaningful. So I was talking to my father on the phone uh, yesterday, and I noticed that he was pretty down. And I asked him, you know, what's going on? And, and what was what was making him so down was the uh, was the fact that he couldn't watch any sports. <laughs> there was no sports going on because all the sports were canceled. And um, and then I got a phone call. Can you do me a favor? There's a there's a microphone stand against the wall behind me that's very distracting to this picture. Or at least it's distracting me the whole time. So if you can... Uh... <laughs> nice comment, Rafi. You can undo your phone, your microphone if you want to say things. You know? If you're in a quiet room especially, feel free to chime in. Anyway... Uh, Rafi said, teach him to watch highlights. I'm sure he's watching some highlights, but you're right, teach him is probably a good idea because he probably wouldn't know how to watch the old things. Anyway, 
Um, anyone coming on, if you can put your camera on, it'd be appreciated. Later, I spoke to someone who's um, into entertainment. And uh, they've had all their tickets canceled, meaning like they have ticket, season tickets to various concert halls and theaters and stuff. And that was gone. You know. um, uh, then I've spoken to a couple people out there who are... Um, Shalom Aleichem. I've spoken to a couple people out there who are uh, very social types. And, and so they go dancing or they go to pubs or whatever they do. They go to restaurants and... Well, those are all closed now, and and um, and I've had probably the most interaction with uh, students who are in the New York world, where money is king, and and uh, and so they're taking these big hits, and and so we're we're in touch about that, and and we're and so they're uh, you know hurting pretty badly there, and and it's and it's really crazy too because they're. Uh, it's a shame that people didn't realize to sell when they, we got the news of the coronavirus then. And um, uh, there's, a, there's, a, there's a couple other, Rabbi Green, uh, Rabbi G, there's a couple other people on, but they're, they're just some students of mine who, are, who can see you, but it's just a few, a few dudes. Anyway, um, that are my Talmudim, like Kyle and Rafi to be actually, to tell you everyone. <laughs> anyway, um, the, it seems that no matter what anyone's into, um, no matter what anyone's into, they're, they're um, not able to do that right now. And so, and so what's happened is they, they're, people are going through a major identity crisis right now. People are, are, are in a situation where, where their identities have become attached to um, activities and, and, um, and wealth and social, social interaction and um, sports. That's a huge identifier. And... Um, and um, you know, another entertainment and um, shopping. <laughs> like, these are all identifiers, and and if you look at the word identity, it's uh, or to identify it means to make something in Latin. It means to make this to become the same as, and and when you know when you have a little infant, a little when you have a little child, so they don't have much identity at all. They, they don't have a lot that they identify with. And, and they're, um, but when they get a little older, so they start identifying with toys and stuff. That's why if you take a toy away from a little kid, you better replace it with something else. You know, you don't just take it away. They've got to have something else to, uh, to sur 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 uh, replace it. Um, because for them, they could really get, go into full anguish. Like it's a total identity crisis to lose something that they had. The the identity of a person uh, we become uh, we can't help but identify with things external to us. 
And the retail world likes this very much that we identify with these things because it'll never be enough. I mean, you, know, you know, there's always going to be something else you can identify with, and they'll, they'll, uh, you know, you can wear a shirt with someone's picture on it of a, you know a movie star, or you can wear the outfits that a movie star or the sunglasses that a, that someone famous uh, wore, and all of this is set up so that you somehow would augment your identity. You know that you could that you could somehow um, you know like like be someone that's uh, you know more like it's all offering to add to augment you in some way and and it's a it's a trillion dollar industry to be augmented you know whether it has to do with uh, people uh, using plastic surgery to tr- to change their bodies to to uh, hair color, to all that stuff is all supposed to somehow make you more. And uh, apparently getting thinner makes should make you less, but it makes you more as well. And, um, and uh, sports affiliation makes you more. And, and, it, and it's, it's also very interesting, the um, watching when people's team loses. Like they might have, they, they might have just missed, they were sitting 50 yard line, but missed the greatest game of the year. They missed the greatest game of the year. How'd they miss it? Because their team lost. And so they weren't able to see, first of all, the amazing plays of the other team. Like, let's say they have a really great team this year, so they're so excited for the game. And, and, but it turns out that the other team did, had, was of such excellence. But they missed it. They missed it. I can tell you, as a kid growing up, as a with a father as a sports fanatic, you know, I know any of you sports people listening to me right now would uh, be jealous to be raised on the fifty yard line of the the Rams and the Raiders and the and the right behind Laker bench and right behind the home plate at Dodger Stadium and season tickets, four season tickets to every game, and, and um, you know that's that's how I grew up, but I. I always cheered for the other team, you know. I mean, I, I didn't want to become, like, ridiculed by the people sitting around me. So I, I waited until something really great happened. So that way I could at least look at the people sitting behind me who were getting angry and say, did you did you miss that pass? Like, did you not notice that pass? Like, yeah, like that, was, that was an amazing pass, you know. How can you not cheer for such a play? Anyway, but again, it's this it's identification that when it, when their team loses, you know. And then uh, um, L.A.'s been getting a lot of rain lately. And so I was speaking to someone from L.A. yesterday who told me the weather's terrible. And he's all depressed about it, you know, that the, it's raining. I'm like, I'm like, here you are, like, sucking Northern California's lakes dry, you know, and... You, you finally get a little of your own water and, and like, oh, now it's like, it's all bad news. But again, the, that's just more identification, identity augmentation is, is uh, oh, I'm in sunny Southern California and that's like, you know, who's raining on my parade, you know? So, so let's talk a little bit about what the, what the, um, hold on one second. Uh, oh yeah, okay. Um, by the way, anyone watching this can join the Zoom meeting. 
I mean, if you go, just go on zoom.com and click join a meeting, and then you can just hit the code 613 for the 613 commandments, then the number is 248 for the positive commandments, and then 0365 for the negative commandments, the 365 negative commandments. Again, 613 are the commandments, which break down to the numbers 248, positive commandments, and then the negative ones are uh, 365, but you gotta put a zero for 0365. That's the code, 613-248-0365, and you can join in, because uh, right now I have two students watching, and it would be a, a lot nicer to share this with, uh, with more people's cameras on, on the screen. Okay. Um, anyway, let's talk a little bit about the effects of the coronavirus on um, on things. So, so how's this? Everything's shut down. How's this? Total identity crisis. You know, it's um, massive financial pressures. The um, great uncertainty. Great unknowns. So it brings us as Semites to ask ourselves the following question: Is what what's life about? What's real? What's true? What's something that is um, what? <laughs> Rafi said it's like Shabbos forever. <laughs> <laughs> I know it's like. It's so funny. We've been offered Shabbos for, for forever now. We're like, you can't really do anything or go anywhere. But uh, thanks for joining, Donna. Please turn on your camera so that we can see you. Um, hey, Shimon. David Shimon. I always forget you have a middle name, Shimon. Hey, Donna. Welcome. Thanks for turning on your camera, Shimon. Please drive. David Bars, please drive carefully. Okay, and uh, anyway, yeah, it's funny, Rafi, that, that we've all been given Shabbos forever and no one wants it, you know, it's like, like we don't want to be in Shabbos forever, we want to get back to, you know, making our mark. And it's amazing how, how making our mark is like so important to us. And... Uh, you know, it, it crushes most men. I don't think women worry about it as much, but it crushes most men that no one will know who we are a hundred years from now. I'm thinking if I do enough live feeds for like the next 30, 40 years, like maybe someone will stumble upon one a hundred years from now and say, who is that bozo? You know, but like, <laughs> but it's like, no one's going to have any clue who we are. And how do you know this for a fact? Is that anyone, name is someone here, name, any, name anyone from your own ancestors that lived 100 years ago and tell me, like, anything they did. Now, if they wrote a book, okay, or they painted a painting and it's been sitting in your parents' living room, he painted or he wrote a book. But, uh, you know, that makes it easier. But, but otherwise, if they didn't write that book or they didn't make a painting... Who remembers anything of anyone? And for some reason, women are more chill about this than men are. But men, we just can't take it. You know, like we're, we're we 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 just can't get over the fact that no one's going to know who we were. Like we we like to mark every lamppost we walk by as our personal territory. And the 
it's hard for us, and Shabbos is hard for us, and I think a lot of men are in some level of crisis. You know, because uh, many of our earning ability has has gone, you know, has gone away, and um, and uh, uh, and that's a big mark of a man. I mean, that's what happened with with uh, Adam. <laughs> you know, God said, "Hey, man, <laughs> you are such a nerd that you let some woman—no offense to Eve, obviously—but <laughs> you let some woman convince you to go against the one commandment I gave you. Like, you're a spaz." So why don't you just get your spazzy self out there and work with it between the thorns and the thistles and, you know, bring home the bagels and maybe she'll start respecting you for being someone who can, uh, you know, actually do something with yourself. You can move your bag of bones around and people, the feedback that you actually did something is people actually pay you for it. And, uh, and hey, hey, you're someone, you know. But uh, right now, God's playing, playing hardball with us because he's taken all this away from all the men. And we're supposed to, like, sit home with our kids now. You know, it's just like... It was cute and sweet at the beginning, you know. But, but like, us men need to feel like we do something. This is part of the meaninglessness of the, of the millennial situation. It's uh, the... Millennial community, you know, many of the men feel completely, you know, because of the, the uh, I'm not going to go into the details of this, but, but the feminist movement has fully, fully set into the young men growing up not feeling manly at all. And, of course, having their pants tightened and their, their, their pants have been tightening and their, and their, their lower cuffs have been raising and their socks have been purpleizing and their shoes have become these little booties and and they're uh, and they've got scarves around their necks and stuff and uh, I'm not talking about men's scarves and and uh, you know shawls if you will and they it's like and this this year none of the men even noticed that they put the the furry things around their winter coats now you can actually buy a winter man's winter coat with with a roll of fur all around the rim of the winter coat. And like, I, I, the fact that I pointed that out to a man like about a month ago, he had no idea what I was talking about. It was like, what do you mean? This is a man's coat. And I'm like, as of like 2020, maybe, you know, man gets to wear a women's, women's coat. And um, anyway, the, uh, but, but what's happened is the men have not felt the, they haven't been able to identify with. Uh, they 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 basically aren't identifying with the fact that taking responsibility for themselves is is going to bring great meaning to their lives and self respect. But again, there's a higher level of all of this, and that's when that's Shabbos, where you can't go move your bag of bones around and get get the feedback that you did something with money. You can't. You got to just pull in your sails. And, and that's exactly what's being forced upon all of us. Is the whole planet is being asked to do that. And also um, to be isolated. I mean, what are they calling it? Social, uh, Rafi, uh, send me that, what that's called. Social distancing. Yeah, I got it. I got it. You don't have to send it. Social distancing. You want to know something? I heard Trump say in one of his speeches, because uh, one of the reporters had called him out for shaking hands because she saw him still shaking hands with people. And he says, 
you know, he, he, as best as Trump can admit anything, he was like doing his best to admit that he had done that. Um, but he didn't deny it. Let's just put it like that. And, and he, um, he said, yeah, it's better. And it's, you know, we're all trying to do that. We're working hard at that. And, uh, et cetera. And he said, and then he says, maybe it's better that people shouldn't shake hands at all. Meaning not just during the virus, but like in the future, he said. And it's like, oh, great. Yeah, that's what we need to hear from, you know, the leadership of, of uh, you know, the most powerful country in the world that we're going to just stop connecting all together. It's also kind of an interesting thing that, uh, you know, a lot of people have said that, uh, that all the social media interaction has, you know, it's been very good for loners. That we can't deny. People who have spent a lot of their lives alone who now have these, like, identities online. Okay, it's been... I don't think we can deny it's been good for them, but I think a lot of people who are more normative in their social lives have pulled away quite a bit um, as a result of their uh, online usage. They've, they've become more isolated as a result. And, and, and so now they're saying, like, hey, everybody, isolate totally. Like, get totally isolated. And... Um, by the way, I'm not commenting on any of that. I, th I, I think uh, we're, we're doing our utmost. I know the Glazer House is doing their, their utmost to, to, um, to be as disconnected as possible so that anyone breathing on us doesn't affect us and anyone that we're breathing on them doesn't affect them and whatever. We're, we're not paranoid. Mommy, can I have a refill on hot water in this cup, please? We're not paranoid, but we are... Um, but we are, um, you know, we, we also, we want to slow this thing down. And, um, and also, um, you know, every country has a per capita of people in hospital beds per size of hospital. Meaning there's an amount of beds per, every hospital has an average amount of people filling their beds a day. And Israel's way over the top every day. And, uh, we have an amazing medical system, but apparently it's always flooded, and uh, not because there's more, not because there's more sick people. I think there's actually less sick people, and that's why you'll notice we don't have deaths with the virus. Hashem, and should continue that way, please God. But the, um, but the, uh, but we don't have extra beds. And um, uh, one art, I saw one. I read one editorial that that's the reason why they're going so intensely on the shutdown is because is uh, they want everyone shut down as much as possible because, uh, because it's just not, not, it's not an option that everyone hits hospitals. Uh, it, it would be automatically going to like, you know, whatever three-star hotels empty, that would become the hospital. Nobody wants that, you know. Um, so what do we do? And the answer is, is that we do what we do on Shabbos, and, uh, and that's we have our relationship to real things. Like we, we're, we're Semites, we like to talk about what's real. Okay, so what's real? Let's have a little discussion on what's real. So, what's real? What's real is is that I'll, I'll, keep, I'll say it in the eye right now but you can say it in your own eye what's real is I'm conscious yeah, I'm a conscious being everyone have that in mind as you're listening 
okay? What's real is I'm conscious. You can say that, so it's not, I don't want it to be about me. Just say, what's real is I'm conscious. Okay, that's real. I am conscious. Okay, um, where did my consciousness come from? Where did that come from? Everything has to come from somewhere, cause and effect. You know? and where, where's that consciousness from? Okay, uh, well... Hmm, it's this awareness I have. It's an awareness. It's, it's not the data. You know, the data, for example, that I'm wearing this outfit and I'm sitting in this room. That's all the data. It's not the data. It's, it's an awareness of that awareness. It's the awareness of the awareness. There's, my consciousness is this awareness of the data. But it's not the data itself. It's, it's, it's the, the data is reporting to the awareness. So my consciousness is this awareness of the data that I'm wearing, this clothing, I'm sitting in this room. I'm... Okay, and where does that come from? Well, I know I couldn't create it. Okay? I mean, I could make it with some training to create a sweater and with some training to create a shirt. And maybe I could learn construction and create a room. But, but um, or maybe that painting that my mother over there that my son painted over there. And um, maybe I could build an electric piano. But <sighs> consciousness, I can't create. No way. No. No human being can create that. Okay, so so I'm a conscious being and I'm, I've got a consciousness that has no um, apparent source. I know I can't make it, and if I can't make it, my parents, no offense, couldn't make it either. And, um, and what Judaism calls it is the soul. There's multiple levels of the soul, but, the, but that bottom membrane is, is the lowest level of your given, given awareness to, to the soul. So, okay, so I have a soul. So where'd that come from? The answer is, well, it would have had to have come from a higher consciousness because, because only a consciousness can make my consciousness. Okay, so I want everyone listening to this to breathe into the fact that you have a consciousness. And that the source of your consciousness must be a higher consciousness. To have, it had to have been created. Everything was created. So a higher consciousness breathed this consciousness into being. Okay, so there's me and there's this consciousness, and or I am this consciousness, and a higher being created it. That higher being is is present. Because, okay, let's go to the next step. Is the consciousness encapsulated in me or is it being projected into me? Whoever came on on the iPhone, please turn on your camera. Oh, it's, it's, it's the next teacher. That's funny. Um, yo, what's up? 
I'm glad your phone's muted since you're on guitar. Anyway, so the consciousness, is it encapsulated in me? I mean, that can't be because it's not found in me. It's not going to show up in a brain scan or an MRI. And so therefore, that consciousness is coming from outside of me. Huh. Okay, so this consciousness comes from outside of me. Well, who's, who's that coming from? And the answer is, well, it's coming from the higher consciousness. So there's this higher consciousness that's creating my consciousness. And in other words, this higher consciousness is lending its own consciousness, not its encapsulated consciousness, because obviously it's showing up in all of you, and it's an infinite being, so it's infinitely beyond all of us. But this infinite being is, oh, you are muted now. Press Command-Shift-A to unmute. Command-Shift, what did I say, A? A. That's weird. Okay. You hear me now? That was weird. It's spontaneously muted. Um, anyway, so there's my consciousness is coming, is being beamed in via this greater consciousness. I think to myself sometimes, I don't know where this would stand with Jewish Kabbalistic philosophies, but that because people always have the question, what was God's problem? Like, was he bored? He was bored just being this undifferentiated being beyond all reality. I Meaning there was no reality yet. There was just this consciousness of God. Was he bored? Was he lonely? What was his problem? You know. But what's what's very interesting, and I wonder if it's a hint to the answer. And Nekemar, you can uh, unmute if you want to chime in on this. I'd appreciate it if you did unmute on this. Is um, uh, Aaron, if you unmute, I'd love to hear your thoughts on this. Is is um, thank you. Is that so? The question about like why did God bother? Now we don't have an answer for that. Some people like to apply the Ramchal's answer, but but they're starting with Midas They want to say because it's good. Good wants to bestow good. Yeah, we're not there yet. We're far from Esther Spheres of of Toyib being mate. We're talking about God in his undifferentiated oneness. By the way, the Kabbalistic Svarim say that there's no answer for this because for two reasons. One is um, you can't get into God's, you'd have to get inside the mind of God to, ask, to know the end. Like, there's no way you can extrapolate this one. You know, you'd have to get into the mind of God. If you saw me walking down Miss Gavladach Street in Jerusalem, you know, you, you'd have to interview me to find out where I'm going. Yeah, you know? And and it's not an obvious answer if I, you find me in an ice cream shop buying coffee-flavored ice cream, which is my favorite. You know, that's not necessarily the answer. It could be I changed my mind on the way. It could be I, I, uh, I have 10 things I'm going to be doing, and that was not one of them, you know. And, uh, and I just, on a whim, jumped in there for ice cream. So... Anyway, but we, we don't know why, but here's what I want to play with. I thought Nicomar would play with me, but he's not playing with me. Um, uh, here it is. Is that, could it be that God's consciousness, which is all there was, wanted to, wanted to, sort of, I don't want to say divide up, but so to speak, like, like you know, we keep seeing on, on the news stations, the, uh, 
where people are like, you know, their laboratories, they're like squeezing in little things into dishes and stuff. Where you want to like squeeze into each of our dishes consciousness. Have us identify with all kinds of stupid stuff, which is called Golasashina, where we like get totally distracted and out of it. And then finally come together as a, as a globe, as a conscious, God consciousness. And that, that was that was what this experiment was really all about. Meaning, could God put an infinite oneness consciousness inside of every human being? Meaning the godly voice inside of all of us. And, and yet have this huge identity crisis called, who am I? You know, like what... You know, the, the, where we're this little kid who, like, starts trying to identify with his toys and now with his car, and then now we're big kids with automobiles and jobs and, like, our, and our houses, and, and, like, we're totally overly identified. And... But to come back to, and, you know, this back to the Semite living in caves is to come back to the, uh, the consciousness that, because God's basically ripping everybody down, it's just everyone's getting ripped down, and I've watched people get ripped down just going into Shabbos. You know, I've had I've had tourists show up at my door. You know, and they they were invited for Shabbos night, but they had no idea that you're not supposed to carry certain things, and no idea that we're not driving to the Western Wall. And there were a lot of things they had no idea of. And I'm like, listen, man, when in Jerusalem? What did they say? When in Rome? Do like Rome? I think when in Rome, be like Rome. Do as Romans do. When in Rome, do as Romans do? Is that what they say? I forget how it goes. But anyway, when in Jerusalem, do as Jerusalemites do. And I come out with a bag and I'm like, put all your stuff in here. And like, what about my ID? I'm like, in the bag, man. What about money? In the bag, man. What about my passport? In the bag, man. Yeah, no one's going to be asking you for your passport this Shabbos. Okay, put it in. When do I get it back? Saturday night, three stars. You can have your bag back. And the guy's just like, how would I get into this? Yeah. And, and by the way, if he said no, I would just say fine. You know, just, you can eat the meal. Just put your phone on silent. And I've done that too. And I've told people like, just put it away. Don't take it out during the meal. You know, if you got to smoke, smoke outside somewhere away from our community. But, um, but I have given them the opportunity to just let it go. And it's been, it's real interesting to watch them let it go. So right now our globe's being asked to let it go. Everyone's being asked to just let it go. And we don't know where it's going. Which means let that go too. <laughs> That's the whole fear of the unknowns. So we got to let that go as well. And I know there's people who are listening to this who have heavy responsibility. You know, I know a banker, for example. I mean, a, a private investment banker. And he's, uh, you know, he's got a lot of angry people right now. As if he did anything. But, you know, part of... Part of not investing yourself and using someone as you have someone to yell at. You know, like most, most people who do their own trading, you know, they can only yell at themselves. But that's, I guess the, you know, you're paying him fees that you have someone to yell at. So they're yelling at them. But I know a lot of people are losing sleep because they're getting thrashed by investors and people are counting on them and et cetera. And, and, uh, but we gotta let it go, and we gotta let that go. We gotta let that go. We gotta let that go. And all these industries are are enmeshed. You know, it's not just a hotel; it's all the chain of supplies to the hotel. It's all the workers at the hotel, and all those workers now who are fired are 
are no longer spending money in stores. And so, you know, it's like, I mean, it's just like a collapse like we've never seen before, at least in our, in the last generations. And, and, um, but we keep God in perspective, you know, we've got to keep God in this. God didn't, God didn't pull out here. And this is, uh, excuse me, drinking hot tea. <laughs> These days, anyone blows their nose, they're like, oh, great. <laughs> He's got it. <laughs> it's amazing how self-conscious everybody is. I mean, anyone I see sneeze, I like walk a mile away from them. Um, anyway, the uh, let it go, let the future go, let it all go. I mean, obviously, do what you can do, like do what you got to do. Be responsible, but um, but let it go because there's certain things we know. We know there's a God. We know, we know we have a consciousness. We know that consciousness came from somewhere. Also, the physical world. Like, there's a, I know there's a room around me, and I know it's made of minerals, and there's wood bookshelves and books, and that's vegetable up there. And, and like, there's, there's my wool sweater's animal, and so is the skin, and, and there's human, you know, and, and all of that also, that didn't, you know, according, according to the Big Bang theorists, it came out of nothing. Yeah, okay, great. You got something else to sell me? You know, nothing made something? Not, never happened before. Well, it happened before, and it happened because the, some, the, the nothing that made the something is called God. Okay? That's how it works. When an infinite being creates something, then there's something from nothing. Otherwise, forget about it. And so, there's things we know, and that's all we got left. You want to feel solid in your life? You want something solid? I'll give you something solid. Simplicity. Soul. Love. God. Connection with loved ones. Like, yeah, stop. Stop. Uh, uh, what's the word when you uh, give someone else a job? You... Delegate. Delegate. Stop delegating your parenting to your preschools and your the elementary schools. You know, you know, like half the news reports are about outsourcing. Yeah, <laughs> thank you, Rafi. Rafi, you're good at words. So, yeah, outsourcing was So, so you know, we we we've all gotten so used to uh, you know people outsourcing our children's lives to others and, and it's uh, it's time to be a parent full time like like aboriginal stuff <laughs> we're being you know, I think I think all the all the Hasidic women listening to me right now and the Litvish women right now have to go they have to I don't know if Amazon still works is there still Amazon I don't know they I saw that they're that they're saying that people have to be patient <laughs> but um I think everyone has to order slings now and carry their infants on their bodies, you know. <laughs> have you noticed that infants have a Vulcan grip? You know, they can't even hold their own head up. Their most important organ, their head, is like, you know, you got to keep the baby's head up. But Vulcan grip, they got these like crazy grips because they're like ready to hold on for the ride. Like God 
created those infants to be connected to their parents. And, uh, and we've been outsourcing with cribs and when they scream and cry in utter isolation, we'll say they're hungry instead of say, no, they actually want to be connected. They just want to be connected. They don't have hunger. As long as they're being fed regularly, they'll never know what hunger is. Okay, everybody. So, that was today's share. I know I wasn't very alive, but I'm doing my best staring at the three people on my screen and the, my chavrusa sitting next to me, so... Um, no, I, it just shows how generated I am by people. I'm an extreme extrovert and love being with people. Um, and so, shalom everyone. Have a beautiful day and simcha nachas and everything good. Shalom. <laughs> bye bye. Adam Wax stopped by and said no one was home. You've just experienced another Torah class brought to you by TorahAnytime.com.